The Lollygaggers podcast believes that murder is never the answer. Unless you have a podcast partner who can't pronounce people's names and loves to smack his lips. And that highly theoretical situation, murder is the only answer. In this episode, Justin previews some 2020 films while Jeff is pulled back to Kickstarter with Night of the Living Dead and Divinity Original Sin, the board game. Both Lollygaggers then break down Ryan Johnson's new whodunit, Knives Out. Welcome to episode number 73 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies, TV. I am one your host, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, buddy? It's going all right, man. It's going all right. So close to the end of the semester. I can taste it. I'm so close. Yeah, I got one more full week after this. Yeah. And that's, it's not even a full week because like, they have finals, so like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're all out by lunch. Yeah. I love Colorado. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad you're liking it there. Uh, but yeah, I got like, I think grades are due on uh, my college month grades on Monday. So I've got, we're recording on Wednesday. So I've got till then. I'm almost done. So I'm pretty close. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're planning a, we got a recording session on Saturday for Adventures in Lollygagging. So excited about that. And then the following Saturday, we got a, got a good old fashioned board game day. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good old, uh, good Can old you get any uh, thing in there? Uh, I mean that if if we have you know six or more, I think that's that's our, honestly my favorite. It's our go to. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I got others for you to try, but I mean that one's my favorite too. Uh, it's interesting because there's okay. So I have two. I have three games based on the thing. I have the thing infection at outpost thirty one, which is the game that you've played, which is for Mondo uh, Mondo uh, Tease. Uh, they did it in Project Raygun. Uh, so there's that one. Then I have Who Goes There. Uh, which is uh, based more on the the short story that inspired the thing. And that one's a little bit more involved uh, of a game. It's not like, I mean, it still has the same theme and whatnot and a lot of the same characters, but it's a little different. And then I also have a print and play version, which might actually be my favorite version, uh, by a guy named Mark Chaplin, who uh, just recently published another game that I just bought called Lifeform, which is based more like on Alien. And then there's now another game coming out I don't know a whole lot of details about it yet, so but once I do, I'll get some more information. But apparently, there's another thing game coming out, so I'll probably end up getting that too because it is my favorite movie. Uh, but anyway, I have some other board game stuff really quickly though, because since we're talking about board games and since we're talking about movies that I like, yeah. yeah. So like the thing is definitely my favorite movie of all time, and it's it's my favorite horror movie, all that kind of stuff. But like really high up there on the list, and my favorite. I'm not sure if it's my favorite zombie movie, but it's pretty damn pretty darn close. It's also the first zombie movie I ever ever watched, and kind of the first of the modern take on zombies. And it's Night of the Living Dead, so the old uh, George Romero black and white one. So uh, Come On, uh, which used to be called Simon, but now they want to be known as Come On, which is weird. But that's the name of the company. There they have a whole uh, a whole franchise of zombie games, zombie board games called Zombicide, and I have one of them. I have a I have the Black Plague version, which is basically zombies during like middle ages and stuff like that and it's a lot of fun uh but there's others there's like the i think the original zombicide was more like walking dead style so like modern day uh and then there's also been uh, i think more recently last year there was a, a space version as well zombicide in space uh but now they're doing one that's uh with it's literally called night of the living dead a zombicide game uh, and it's up on kickstarter right now and i'm really really tempted to pull uh pull the trigger on it because i really like night of the living dead uh zombicide is a fun game uh this is a little bit different in zombicide normally there's 
a couple different kinds of zombies. There's just your regular walkers. Then there's runners, which can move a little bit faster, but ultimately do the same amount of damage. And there's fatties, uh, which are a little bit tougher. Uh, whenever we play, I call them the Justins. Uh, and then uh, there's uh, wait a minute. <laughs> I actually do that. It's so mean. It's terrible. Uh, but it makes Gabe laugh. So who cares? Uh, and then uh, there's abominations and things like that. Well, in this game, they've they've tweaked the system slightly, and so they're using the because in in the movie Night of the Living Dead, they're not really called zombies; they're called ghouls. So you have ghouls, then you have breakers, which are basically zombies that can use tools to break barricades. Because this whole this whole game is based around the idea of like following the scenes of the movie, The Night of the Living Dead, and you play the characters within the movie in specific situations, like when they're boarding up the farmhouse and when they're going to get gas and a couple of their like uh, pretty pretty common scenes. The the full list of scenarios and scenes is not out yet. They have the rule book up on the Kickstarter page, but they don't have like a list of all the scenarios yet, which I'm hoping to get. Uh, but like this one has breakers and then it has this really cool twist uh, that are called like loved ones or something like that. I might get the name wrong, but in this version of Zombicide, uh, basically there's a particular kind of zombie that can come out onto the map that can screw with you a bit. And it's like if your loved one returns. And so if one of your loved ones is out there, uh, like you are basically uh, kind of debuffed for a bit because the way the game works is that like in, in this version, there's two versions of your character. Like there, you, you get a, everyone gets a character card and there's like the George Romero version and that's when you're just like a normal person. You're not really good at killing zombies. You're just a regular person trying to figure things out, right? But then if you, you know, if you manage to accomplish a certain a series of objectives or manage to kill some zombies or things are going well, you can kind of flip that card over to the zombicide version, which is where you're much more capable of like kind of slaughtering zombies, which is pretty much what zombicide is. It's just, uh, it's almost like this reckless, dis- you know, just destru- destruction of zombies, kind of like Dead Rising, if you remember that video game series. Uh, and so if, as if like a a loved one comes out, then you have to flip your card back over and you go back and you don't have access to all of the same abilities that you would have if you were on your Zombicide version. So there's some clever little tweaks to the system that Zombicide used before. And plus it's just based primarily around the movie. And even though they've said that they're going to have scenes that go outside of the basic story, it's, uh, it's still going to adhere to the movie a lot. The question I have is, you know, how, how replayable it's going to be. The really cool thing I think is that the the Kickstarter is priced far more affordably affordably than some of their others. Uh, like, come on, just had up Zombicide Second Edition, which was you know looked awesome, and there were a couple different pledge levels, but it was actually really expensive, like well over a hundred bucks if you want to go all in and then things like that. This version's eighty bucks. Uh, the cool thing is is that there's no stretch goals, there's no add-ons, there's nothing like that. It's just this is what you're getting. Like, there's some Kickstarter exclusives that you can only get if you back it on Kickstarter. But you know it all up front. And so it's like 80 bucks, you're in or you're out. So I'm pretty tempted, uh, pretty tempted to back it. Now, the only reason I haven't backed it yet uh, is because I'm trying to be better about, you know, be more prudent about what I back. And my attention is sort of split on Kickstarter right now between Night of the Living Dead, uh, which, by the way, that that campaign ends in on the 17th of December. So if you're interested, you should check it out. Uh, but the other one that's caught my attention is a game that you and I know well. And by well, I mean we've attempted to play it multiple times, but never could never quite get it going. And it's a, it's a board game based upon Divinity Original Sin. Do you remember Divinity? Oh. 
I blame I blame Wobbly for us not completing it. <laughs> so multiple Anything times. Anything ever goes wrong that yeah, he's involved with, I always blame him for Multiple times, Justin, myself, our friend Wobbly that we've mentioned from time to time, um, we have tried to play Divinity Original Sin 2 because you can play cooperatively. If you don't know the video game, it's basically a turn-based, grid-based RPG system with all sorts of wonderful comboing, some some decent story, but like the just the, the tactical combat and the interactions of characters is just so much fun. And the interaction of like character skills with each other and then with the environmental effects is just fantastic. And we've done bits and pieces and we've started and restarted at least two or three times at this point and never quite finished it. I, I've played and finished the first one, but I never actually got through the second. The second's even better, so I got to do that. But anyway, they're making a board game out of it now. Uh, so it's Divinity Original Sin, the board game. Also up on Kickstarter. This uh, this campaign's running till December 19th. Uh, so this has got a little bit longer than the Zombicide uh, Night of the Living Dead game. Uh, this one is being supported by Larian Studios, but they're more of the publishers, so to speak, for this. They're not actually developing uh, the, game, the game themselves. Uh, but... What's really interesting about this game is that it seems to be fairly narrative driven, uh, even though the board ga- or the excuse me, the video game is known very for having like great tactical combat. That's usually grid based, like you have like a grid, you know, your standard squares, and then you have a certain amount of action points that you can expend on your turn. And then, you know, those action points can be to move, to cast spells, to attack, etc. That's not exactly the way this game's working because there's no... There's no grid like it's there's no tactical uh, tactical layout. There's no, you know, like you would expect in a D&D map or something like that. Instead, it's very abstracted. And in some some respects, at first glance, like when you look at the board, it almost looks like a roulette wheel because it's like this circular or, or kind of octagonal uh, shape. And there's on each side of this octagon, you place a card and the card is a different location uh, within that the divinity's world, and when you move, you move from location to location, and so and adjacency matters, right? And the direction you move around matters. So these locations are going to be familiar to anyone who's played the game before. And there's excuse me, the 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 video games before, but it doesn't have that sort of uh, you know almost chessboard like feel to it. Instead, you have to kind of imagine it in your head, and it's got to be abstracted way more than I would expect. Now, even though the actual combat itself, like the board itself is abstracted, the actual player area looks really familiar because uh, in Divinity, like you have, like I said, these action points and you have certain abilities that once you use them, they're on cooldown for a certain amount of turns. And there's kind of like this green and red dot system that you can see on your inner, on your user interface whenever you're playing the video game that tracks like you know, how many AP you have to use on a particular turn. And that's kind of exactly how an individual player's setup is going to look like in the board game. And so you can see that each character has its own special, you know, special little uh, little tableau area. And it's got its own little dashboard where that, you know, instructs you on the different abilities that you have, etc. But also where you can put various cards because certain certain abilities that you have, combat abilities, magic, etc., are are controlled by specific cards that you have. And the way you actually place these cards down in your own play area actually makes it look like it's a cooldown. So it's hard to explain unless you actually watch the video. And there's a ton of videos on the, the on the Kickstarter page. But what you do is like you you place a you place a card down at the top of your dashboard next to all these little green dots, and then you kind of shift it to the left 
to denote that it's like it's coming back from cooldown, which is a really interesting way to go about doing it. I can't recall another game using that kind of trickle down effect. Like most of the time I've seen games that should do like kind of the old magic way, which is tap and untap sort of. Uh, but in this particular case, they're like tracking cooldown. So it's not necessarily like the next turn you can use it. It might be two or three turns later. So that's really interesting. Uh, now, the characters themselves are all characters that are tons of different characters that you can actually play in the video games. Like in the video game, you can you can actually play the story of certain characters or you can kind of create your own. So like the Red Prince is there, for instance, in Valley and you know, all these different ones that you're going to recognize. So some of the lizard folks, some of the, the undead, the humans, etc. You're going to get a lot of those same characters. Uh, the So far, the Kickstarter campaign is doing pretty well. It's at 1.179 thousand, or excuse me, million uh, at the time of me uh, of me kind of covering this, and which means it's opened up like quite a few stretch goals. So you're kind of getting a lot of content. Uh, now, even though the game is somewhat abstracted from like the combat grid, it still seems to have like kind of the the story based element because there's so much questing and like you would do and, and choice based uh, conversations when it comes to like divinity. You have to like pick choices and what you do has kind of impact on how the world you know transpires. You can actually like, like kill a quest giver and stuff like that. So the game also come the board game also comes with uh, encounter books, uh, story books. So it's very much like a choose your own adventure. And as a group, like you'd work cooperatively with like one of the four players, and like you can decide where you're gonna go. You can kind of trigger things, kind of like a like an above and below, or like a Agents of Smirsh or Tales from the Arabian Nights, that kind of thing. When it comes to storybook, uh, and so I usually love those types of games, and so that certainly has me interested. The fact that it's with an IP that I recognize and with a company, Larry and Studios, behind it that. Uh, I kind of respect uh, from the the two main video games that I've played by them. The only downside I have to this is that I think it's priced pretty high for what it is. Um, it's 120 bucks for the base pledge, which is quite a bit. And you're not getting like a ton of. I mean, you're getting you're getting miniatures, like you're getting tons of plastic. But like since you're not really doing your tactical based, you know, grid based combat, it seems sort of weird. That so much is locked up. So much of the production value of this is locked up in those miniatures. So like, I don't know, there's like a weird disconnect for me. I feel like normally when I get tons and tons of miniatures, I'm playing a game in which I'm putting tons and tons of miniatures down onto a board, maneuvering them around and like, you know, kind of blowing them up. Like in the Zombicide game I mentioned before, there's tons of zombie miniatures that are slowly moving towards you. And then you and your your fellow allies are going to mow them down with whatever weaponry you have on you. And so there is that sort of tactile feel to it because this is so abstracted and it has that strange kind of roulette wheel feel to it. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm not really sure exactly how that interplay is going to work. So I haven't actually pulled the trigger on this one. I might actually just ride like a $1 pledge for a couple months until the pledge manager ends. So I can think about it some more. If nothing else has popped up in the next couple months that I want to back, I might back it, but I'm certainly interested in it. And there's enough people in our gaming group that know divinity and have played divinity and are excited um to whenever divinity is mentioned but it's only four players and we have a lot more than four players so it's hard to really get four player games of this kind to the table on a regular basis because uh it it's story based it's semi scenario campaign based you know so it's tough so i haven't quite decided yet but it's definitely definitely looks interesting and i'm certainly open to like new takes on the way 
that games can be presented. Like, I don't think that it's a deal breaker that there isn't that kind of grid based combat, but it is, it is like sort of odd. It's harder for me to wrap my head around because the familiarity of that grid based combat is so innate at this point. It's so common. Uh, I use it in so many different games and it seemed like that was the natural thing that they would do. Uh, but that's not what they're doing. Instead of having a bunch of different cardboard tiles to denote different locations, they have different cards, and those cards are placed on that wheel. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but I would recommend anybody who is interested in it, anybody who likes Divinity, go ahead and take a look at the Kickstarter page. There's plenty of videos, including some really funny and charming videos, the kind of that you usually expect from Larry. And if you followed any of their previous Kickstarters or, uh, or Indiegogo or anything like that, uh, and it also has some pretty good uh, how to play, not how to play, but like walkthrough videos for certain uh, certain elements of the game. So anyway, those are two two Kickstarters that I'm mulling right now, right in the Christmas season. Um, fortunately, both of them are allowing for like one dollar pledges and then pick it up later when the pledge winner comes on. So that's it's like kind of put it on layaway, so to speak. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm pretty excited. They both look pretty cool uh, and I definitely wouldn't mind either of them. And I hope. I hope I have enough in me to not back them both, but I don't know if I'm strong enough. So, but anyway, that's what I'm looking at right now. A couple of Kickstarters, a couple of board games. Uh, what about you, Justin? So I want to talk about a bunch of uh, nerdy uh, previews that came out recently. No, thanks. Um, of, of, uh, nope. Okay. Nope. All right. So let's move on. Uh, <clears throat> so a couple in particular, uh, first one, Black Widow. They had a preview come out. Uh, this past week, yeah, uh, the first why you do your Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the first uh, post, uh, I guess phase, the first phase of Marvel thing. I guess the uh, uh, fin- you're so eloquent. You're so- saga <laughs> doicky they going on. So it's the first post that yeah, movie. It's basically right. a flashback to uh, before, like right after Civil War. Um, it has to be a flashback, and- right? Yeah, because yeah, she's spoiler uh, she's alert. She dead. did. Yeah, <clears throat> so it stars uh, obviously uh, Scarlett Johansson, but the preview shows a lot of people that make me very interested in watching. So you have David Harborough, who's a Stranger Things guy. He also is a recent Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, he's playing Crimson Dynamo, which looks very very funny. Um, now in the original comic books, Crimson Dynamo is like a uh, Russian version of Iron Man. But it seems like they're taking more of a Russian version of Captain America okay. in this uh, in this look. Um, yeah, Florence Pugh is playing the other Scarlet or our other uh, Black Widow, um, and then you also have Rachel Weiss, who's in it, which is going to be uh, interesting to see her in a Marvel movie. Um, so I'm looking forward to this whole thing. It's uh, being directed by Kate Shortland, and she really hasn't done much in the way of like big movies that many people are aware of. But they they take with these outside like stories they, they Marvel's been taking a lot of chances on new directors and stuff like that and I think on top of it too um, it's a female director so they've been doing a lot of stuff like that too trying to push some more diversity in their directing of their movies so it looks pretty good um, the main villain is Taskmaster and Taskmaster is a guy who can pretty much uh, I guess mimic he doesn't have any special abilities. He's just a really good uh, fighter. And he can basically mimic your moves and know your fighting style within a few seconds and can kind of like be very difficult to, to defeat. Um, he doesn't really have any like mutant abilities or whatever. He's just a, a really skilled fighter. So it's a really interesting 
uh, villain to have with that. And uh, I'm looking forward to that one, especially seeing fat uh, David Harbaugh uh, in a Captain America suit, which uh, preview is funny about that. Is he? he um, he's not like in his uh, his Hellboy bod. He's going back to his. No, no, no. Body. He's he's chub chub. Okay. He's got a little bit of gut going, which is great. He's got big old, big old bushy beard. Good. So is that too? Um, next one is Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, I saw um, this. This looks interesting. So this takes place in obviously 1984. It's, it's directed by Patty Jenkins, who did the first one. Um, the writer is Jeff Johns, who uh, does a ton of uh, writing for DC Comics. It stars Pedro Pascal. He's playing. Um, well, it stars Gal Gadot, but yeah, yeah. Stars Gal Gadot, and Pedro Pascal is playing Max Lord, who's a yeah. huge villain for uh, uh, Wonder Woman. She, he's like his her number one. Mm-hmm. That's like human based uh, villain, um, and uh, he's some type of like manipulator of media, it seems, or something like that. Uh, Pedro Pascal also Mandalorian. Who, I mean, uh, they say he is, but like I haven't. No, seen I have no idea. Helmet. I don't know. It could be yeah. anybody in there. It could be Nell Carter got, uh, right there. You never know. Yeah, they showed a, a return of Chris Pine of something to do with like alternate reality or something, or maybe hallucination. I have no idea. Yeah. I only watch one preview and then I move on. I mean, it, the cool um, thing is that you know DC doesn't like to have people stay dead either. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's why no one ever think. dies forever in it's DC. Just, it's, ever. Just, it's Marvel too, man. I'm still. I I sure. feel like if Marvel starts to go in the tank, suddenly we're gonna have another Iron Man movie, even though you know RDJ. He's supposed to be in the Black Widow movie. Yeah, so like it's a flashback. Whatever. Yeah, um, it's also starring Kristen Wiig, and she's playing Cheetah. Um, oh, I like her. which is interesting. She's um, it's just but she's a villain, so that's gonna be interesting. Uh, character and uh, actor, uh, like connection. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but one of the cool things in the preview that I saw is they have the Kingdom Come armor for Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. Red Kingdom Come. Yes. And uh, yes, it's actually. pretty cool looking. It's uh, like Battle Warrior, um, uh, golden helmet, golden suit stuff. So it's like they're very really trying to pull in the nostalgia. It's very 1980s. Yeah. yeah. Like the so it looks pretty exciting. You know, there's this thing going on right now of the nostalgia of the 80s. I'm sure at some point it's going to run out, but. Um, I'm I want to do nostalgia of the '90s personally. I want to get back into grunge. Yeah, let's get some. Let's get some uh, flannel shirts. I have a flannel um, shirt party to go to on Saturday. My wife's ill-fitting uh, jeans. Yeah, mom jeans. That'd be great too. Yeah. Um. So, so that's the second one. The it's last gone. one. Yeah. Just came out. I think a couple of days ago. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, Af- buddy. Af- Afterlife. Yeah. Um. This is the follow-up to the original two Ghostbusters and is not related to the one that came out like four years ago, which was a tremendous uh, flop at the box office. Was it? it I would like say 200 something million dollars. I thought it wasn't well received. I um, don't think that's true. So this is a uh, director, Jason Reitman and um, Dan Aykroyd is, did a big part of the writing in this. Um, it stars Carrie Coon McKenna Grace, Paul Rudd, and also has uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, kid from Stranger Things. Uh, what's his name? Finn Wolfhard. Uh, and he's in it as well. And it looks like it's just kind of it's a very I don't know uh, vague preview, which I like. And it's probably the only one I watch. I've been doing this thing where 
I'll just watch the first one. That's it. Oh, I don't watch any um, of them. I still have no yeah. idea what the next Star Wars is about. I have no clue. Yeah, I only watched the first one of that too. Like, I and I don't want to watch anything else or watch any type of like breakdown stuff. But um, it seems to take place in some type of midwestern town that's having some type of uh, like uh, w- like earthquake issues, even though there's no fault line and stuff. And one of the the main girl who's the the main little girl who's the uh, lead in this movie uh carrie coon her i guess her father or grandfather is one of the ghostbusters and he had like a place out here i think it's kind of kenna grace is the child carrie coon is the is the mother she's oh she's from leftovers and she's from fargo yeah yeah i think it's her name yeah the girl's phoebe i think that she's supposed to be egon's granddaughter i'm pretty sure or so i think she's related to egon um, cause there's a lot of, but the, the, the preview is very vague about it. Um, so it's interesting. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Last one is free guy. I don't know if you saw this at all. Um, the stars Ryan Reynolds. It's a uh, director, Sean Levy. <clears throat> um, yeah. And basically no, I this it's, um, it's basically like, Ryan Reynolds is a character in a video game, right? And he becomes self-aware almost. Right. And he gets control of the aspects of what the people... So think of like Grand Theft Auto, right? So he's a character in Grand Theft Auto, but he gets somehow he gets control of the things that the players get control of. So it's this weird, archaic world where people get shot and burned and all stuff like Grand Theft Auto. But then he gets kind of like control of it as well so it's interesting i enjoy everything with ryan reynolds um it's super everything um everything yes i did really? I not tell you my favorite christmas movie is just friends i also love two guys a girl in a pizza place so um so that one movie your favorite x-men movie uh the wolverines uh that's no nah, we don't talk about that i mean that was him uh, right it was he, was, nah, he wasn't in he that. had lasers and stuff i don't know he wasn't was in that on there um, this movie yes, also stars uh, Takayo Titi, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm, re- I'm I'm huge on him right now. So uh, it seems very interesting. There's just a kind of like a like a two minute trailer, which really doesn't give you much information. It just kind of gives you the basis of what the story is. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun little thing because he just plays like a nice guy. He's just a nice guy, and um, it's kind of playing on the. It's, it's a video game movie basically, but it's kind of playing on the idea of like. What if the people in the game became somewhat self-aware and also became control of, of that part of the game? So those are the four movies I've been looking into that uh, they have me very interested in this upcoming uh, movie season. Um, I'm So we haven't really talked about a lot of that stuff in this. They're all kind of nerdy-based, I feel, um, even though I, Ghostbusters is a little bit more mainstream than I would say nerdy. nerdy. Uh, but uh, Ghostbusters is nerdy. I mean, main. I mean, nerd nerdism is getting more and more mainstream these days. Anyway, like there's a lot of people who are more accepting now as younger folk like us uh, get into the our adult ages, and we were we grew up as nerds with Ghostbusters and all that kind of crap from the '80s and then the '90s and etc. Like, I think I don't know. I just think I just think nerdy stuff is is a little bit more mainstream these days. So then I guess Video it falls game. in line. I felt it all fit together, but so like I'm looking forward. Did to it you also. did you like you know? Van Wilder with Ryan Reynolds, like I really yeah, want to I didn't take mind. Into this. Van Wilder's not bad. Okay, you can't really name. You, there's only one. Mm. 
Ryan Reynolds movie that I do not like. Uh, okay. I liked Blade 3. All right. Sure. Okay. I mean, what about, what about buying the cow? You ever, you ever seen buying the cow? Never saw it, um, but oh, I'm sure I'd love it. It's uh, it's with Alyssa Milano. Uh, it's a commitment of already a plus. Yeah. It's a commitment of first man frantically hits the dating scene after his girlfriend starts pressuring him to pop the question. I would love it. Oh, it's got Jerry O'Connell. I think he might be the top. There we go. He's the top bill. He might Hopefully be the top Hopefully he doesn't bill. slide, you know? Oh, geez. Uh, I also enjoy the proposal. Oh, it's got Pete Sampras's, uh, Pete Sampras's wife, uh, Bridget Wilson. Yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. Uh, I oh, my gosh. About Bill Bellamy is in this movie. Oh, Ron right. Livingston. Oh, I like Ron Livingston. There we go. Well, that's, that's, that sounds like a viewing we need to do I'm together. I'm actually starting to, to, this is starting to win me over. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, all right. So, you got anything else for us? Uh, no, I, I I'm really just looking forward to those those uh, movies upcoming here, and uh, I I I can't wait to see some uh, some more superheroes. I feel like we've had a bit of a lull lately. We got to get back into it. More superhero okay. movies now. I think we're okay. I think I don't think we need any more superhero movies. I think we're good for like 20 years. I think we've had enough. Do you remember how like you've always complained about zombies? I've gotten to that point with superheroes and I actually am sort of okay with zombies again now. And I just, I'm so done to see, I just, I can't, I can't stand superheroes. Like the only, only superheroes I like, I think are probably the boys on Amazon. That's probably the only superheroes thing I can stand right now. It's driving me nuts. Uh, I don't even want to like, I'm hoping I'll be okay by the time the new bat, by the time the Batman comes out. Uh, but uh, we'll yeah, there's a bunch, a bunch of stuff came out with that, bat, bat, we'll bat too. All right. So. so what do you say? We just go do a breakdown and get the hell out of here. Yeah. All right. So Justin and I decided we're going to break down Knives Out uh, this week. Knives Out came out uh, November 27th. It's uh, in theaters now. It is a whodunit. Uh, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of drama, a little bit of mystery. Uh, it's written and directed by Ryan Johnson of The Last Jedi fame. I know that's kind of divisive, but uh, this, is not, uh, this is not that movie. Instead, it's a completely different movie. It stars Daniel Craig, uh, who plays Benoit Blanc, who is in a private investigator who is mysteriously hired to look into the circumstances surrounding the death of Christopher Plummer's Harlan Thromby. Harlan Thromby is a patriarch of the Thromby family and a beloved mystery writer who has made millions over his career writing uh, these mystery novels and having his own publishing house. Uh, he has this wonderful, beautiful uh, mansion somewhere out in kind of like the New Englandish area uh, and he also has a family that is filled with people who have been kind of sucking on his teat, so to speak. Uh, those played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who his daughter Linda. There's uh, Michael Shannon, who plays Walt Thromby, one of his son or his son. Uh, he, I think he has a second son, but his second son died uh, many years before. But his uh, daughter-in-law uh, is still in the picture, played by Tony Collette. She's Joni Thromby. Joni uh, also has a daughter who is in the is in the movie as well. Uh, Meg Thromby, played by Catherine Langford. Uh, and there's a few other people that you would recognize. Don Johnson plays Richard Drysdale, who is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Uh, Chris Evans plays Ransom Drysdale, who is the son of Don Johnson and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, and I can kind of see that in real life, too, to be honest, because he's so damn attractive. Uh, and there's a bunch of other people. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield plays Lieutenant Elliot. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield uh, is in that, oh man, that great movie. Uh, what's that one where he plays? Like he, I can't remember the name of it now. Oh my gosh. He plays uh, 
like a telemarketer who is just really good at, at using a white voice. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry for, for calling. I'm sorry for bothering you. Maybe something like sorry that. For yeah. You. Yeah. Oh my God. He's so good in that. Uh, so yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the main people who's investigating the death of, uh, of Harlan. Now the, I would say the protagonist, however, of the movie is Marta Cabrera, who is a nurse who has been working for Harlan for some time and not just a nurse, but also just like a good friend. And uh, she's played by uh, Ana de Armas. And what basically happens, this is not a spoiler, Harlan dies. Uh, the question is now, how did he die? Because it looks like it might have been a suicide. Uh, but Benoit Blanc is hired to come investigate, uh, and he believes that because he's been hired to investigate, that that means likely murder uh, was afoot. Uh, and so what he then goes to do is this wonderful, amazing uh, investigation into the death of Harlan Thromby and trying to figure out who amongst this crazy entitled family uh, might be responsible, if anybody, uh, for the murder, not suicide, uh, of Harlan Thromby. And so that's about as spoiler free of a summary as I can probably offer. Uh, but it's all it's got, got some comedy. It's got some mystery. It's got some drama. Uh, lots of good stuff. So what do you think, Justin? What do you think of Knives Out? So I went on this thing knowing absolutely nothing. I think I watched one preview like a month and a half ago. Um, but all I've been hearing is great things about it. So I suggest like, let's go watch 97% Knives Out. 97% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter, and a 92% audience score. That's pretty dangerous. Yeah, so... Going to it, my wife, I brought my wife with me, and I'm like, let's just go on a date night. There's definitely no like alternative motive that we need to record it for a podcast. Uh, but uh, she's like, well, what type of movie it is? Is it? I'm like, I really don't know how to explain it. You know, it's like, a whodunit. Yeah, it's so, a whodunit. Agatha Christie. There's Agatha Christie references yeah, yeah, in yeah. here. So, Clue, if you remember Clue with Tim Curry yeah. from the 80s, I love that movie. Also referenced in here, some wonderful little nods and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I would say overall. The movie was extraordinary. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Very, very much. Um, to the point where the minute I got out of it, I texted my mom and said, you got to go watch this with your husband. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and that's the cool thing, too, is like we were just talking about in our previous segment, like the idea of nerdy and what's mainstream. Like for a long time, there have been movies that are really hard for me to sell to certain members of my family who don't like fantasy or sci-fi. Like, like they'll watch Star Wars just from like a kind of a cultural perspective, but like they don't really dig it. But this is the type of movie that I think kind of transcends a lot of those boundaries. And like I could easily recommend this to my father. Who it's like oddly. Stuff. Yeah, it's oddly a family movie. Right. Right. I even mean, it though, is about a family. Uh, yeah. Even though it's also about a murder or suicide. Right. Yeah. It's it's a family movie. Well, like, I mean, it's obvious it's a murder like from the get. Yeah. But like, yeah. But like the characters are fantastic, very reminiscent of Clue, just like these very outlandish individual types of personalities. But yeah. also you can kind of see how they're related to each other and, you know, how they could be brothers and sisters in this whole situation. Like right. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character seems so nice and sweet and caring mm -hmm. and like she's there for good things. And then when, not to be spoiled, when she hits the fan she just immediately, immediately turns, turns into an awful right, person. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, like, she's not like horribly awful, but she's definitely self-centered. But and, she's and, and, like, yeah. there's, I mean, and there's wonderful, I think there's so many really nice updates or tweaks because like you mentioned clue and sort of these, these almost caricatures as opposed to characters. And there's definitely a, the potential for that to happen, but that's not what happens in this movie. I think they actually take like really stark, interesting character concepts but they managed to present them in a way that still has them look like rounded figures like 
you're talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis's character is all about the fact that she built her own gig, right? She did her own thing. But there's actually a wonderful little like Trump joke, which is basically she got a million dollars from from her father to start her own business. So she constantly says like, I built it from the ground up. I did it all on my own. But she took a million dollars and then she doesn't actually recognize that. Like her husband, Don Johnson plays like he's just as about as entitled rich white guy as you could possibly get. There's this wonderful dichotomy between the two uh, like grandkids. Uh, one of them is like this Nazi incel kid who's always on his phone. And the other one is like a liberal arts, like highly left wing uh, yeah, uh, like college student. Like she's like Sarah Lawrence type. So like it's and she's like wears a beret and stuff. It's It's pretty hilarious. And her mom is is almost got like a Gwyneth Paltrow kind of feel with her like stupid, like her, her nonsense thing, like facial stuff that she's trying to sell you. Like it's not goop. I can't remember what they called it. It might've been goop. It might've been something else. Flam. Flam. That's what it was. Right. And so there's like all these little subtle, like nods to specific things and like, and like our lives that we see that, I don't know. It's, 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 and it's said, so it's said it's presented in such a playful way that like, it can't really get offended by it. It's just like, Oh yep, I see what you did. And that's kind of cool. And you kind of smile, but Nonetheless, like the characters themselves, like they feel they feel grounded and they feel real. They don't feel absurd. Right. Even though the premise of the movie has some, you know, there's like the 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 con the convoluted story, like once everything begins to unfold is almost absurd. When you look at like a like the movie Clue, it is absurd all these characters are kind of absurd. But here it's it, there's it still has a touchdown of sanity to it. And I really, really like that. Like it I felt like these are characters so that I can kind of identify as almost real people in this world and not just like cartoonish characters, which is, I think, a great little subtle twist that Johnson was able to kind of manage as he wrote the script and directed and all that. Yeah, a few things, too, that I really liked is like. So first off, one of the hard things to do with these types of ideas, how do you keep everybody in one spot, right? Like Murder on Orient Express, they're all stuck on a train, right? Or Clue, uh, it's that it's like really bad outside, right? And they can't leave. Like it's, right. Isn't that what it was? Yeah, it so was. Like this one, they were all invited to a dinner party uh, by Mr. Body. And then they were trapped within that mansion uh, because of the the crazy weather. And it was also the old, the olden times, like in the 1930s or 40s or something like that. So like yeah. easy travel wasn't as easy. But like this one is, they're all stuck there because of their greed, because they want to yes. listen to the will. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. what it's, the will. And that, that's like the most, it's very realistic way why they kept the like, little stuff like that. And plus all the characters are so good. Tony Collette plays such a, a douchey She's lady. So She's so good at this. She's fantastic. so awful to be around. Oh my God. It's wonderful. Like, uh, like she's just. She's hilarious in like the most obvious ways. Like you see it, like I, you can see where her character is going to go. Like you can totally like to me, I, I just kept getting Gwyneth Paltrow and like thrown in my face here, which is hilarious. Uh, I thought Michael Shannon's character was oh, he's great. so like, oh, my he God. always and, so pathetic. And I don't know if it's Michael way. Shannon or the way he acted that character. But I just always feel like he's about to snap and break someone's neck. At yeah. All he, he, well, I mean, that's kind of how he was played here, too, because like there are times when he seems like the, kind of like the really nice level headed guy. He's on edge, but he's on edge. He's ready to go because he's got a stake in what's happening. Like they all. And that's and that's sort of the premise, right? Like you mentioned it. Not only is it like the reading of the will, but all of them, all of their lives and what they have been managing to accomplish for different things, like whether it's going to college, whether it's running a business, whether it's having wealth or money, et cetera have all been tied directly to the success of Harlan and his business and his books. And he's reading this will, you know, like in his, in his death and how he's going to, how the will is going to disperse his wealth and his property. 
is like they all have such a huge stake in it and the notion of like motive right like if you get into the idea of like who's got a motive to do this or do that and like everybody oh, does. everyone yeah everyone does Every and, and it's pretty wonderful how that's kind of navigated throughout the course of the of the actual movie itself and i also like how like harlan's not just a grumpy old asshole that you know is a miser of his money and stuff like that he said he's a, a a good person no, he's a wonderful guy he's done everything he's can yeah. he can to support his family and his children they just unfortunately along the way they became quite greedy and, and entitled and generosity. Yeah, for sure yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's it's entitlement yeah that's the thing it's the entitlement of the exactly. whole thing yeah i mean that's, then, that's what this is like this is all about entitlement. like this whole movie is about the idea of like everyone of we them feels entitled this. exactly like this is ours so not that we've yeah. earned this we deserve through it. our actions but right. we deserve this also a great actor in this movie which i i was impressed with was chris evans because he's played a boy scout for the past 10 years right yeah and he played such a dickhead in this movie yeah and it's so good like he's like he like you said, such a prick he's <laughs> so the son good. of linda and don johnson and it's so like the two of them are entitled he's even more entitled and like he's called ransom like he wants everyone to call him ransom which is ridiculous right so he's just got this entitled air and but even him like even that like we don't really see him much for the first third of the movie he probably comes in in act two a little bit more but like when he does show up even we we start to see he's got depth to him like he's not just this entitled prick there's more to it than that and so that's what i kind of like how there's 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 layers to a lot of these characters that's not they're not just one note like it's a huge ensemble and that's really hard to pull off the, the, like, and it never yeah. felt like anyone was stealing the show yeah exactly right? if it, it really like everybody was free like and the person that was most likely to steal the show daniel craig i don't think he did but boy was he just great he was fantastic daniel craig was great sometimes his, his yeah. character was a little outlandish but still i yeah. love it i mean a he definitely had uh you know a hercule pro yeah i can never say it hercule poirot uh, kind of feel to him and he makes a lot of like Sherlock Holmes references he 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 takes on Marta who again is pretty much the protagonist of this movie she's she's the nurse uh friend of Harlan uh but played by Anna de Armas and like the two of them are I, I are part of like the the solving process now Marta is like kind of wrapped up a lot because she's part of the gang she's not immediate member of the family but there's all of that kind of two-facedness going on. One of my favorites, favorite little jokes, this running jokes is Marta wasn't Marta didn't go to the funeral. And every time she sees somebody, whether it's Walt or whether it's uh or whether it's Linda or whether it's John Johnson's character, Drysdale or something like that, whatever his name is, like they're always like, uh, oh yeah, I definitely think you should have been at the at the funeral. I was outvoted. And they always say that to her, like, I was outvoted. And you start to wonder, who the hell wait a second, if you voted for her to go and they voted, it's like you get to feel like they're just lying directly to her face, which is, which is fantastic, right? The best, the best depiction of that dichotomy was when they have that little argument in the, in the study in front of the fireplace about um, illegal, illegal <laughs> yeah, immigration. Illegal and they can't get her. And, and Don Johnson's like, Mark, come over here. Your family's from Uruguay. And they use a different, <laughs> it's they use Ecuador, a different, it's yeah, Uruguay, Brazil, yeah. all different yeah, things. It's all different. And like, but you guys did it correctly. And yeah. as he's talking to her, he slowly picks up his, his, his and plate hands and hands it to her. Like her. And that's not even her job. Like I her job it. is I not to do it. that. Yeah. But like, it's the idea of here, we want to have a conversation. You're, you're part of the family. Let's talk. Yeah. Here, take care of this for me because uh, I don't want to do this. That, that that type. It's like it's that weird thing of like, hey, you're part of the family, but no, you're not. Because yeah. they're these, they're a bunch of rich pricks, and that's what it comes down to. And it's it's so yeah. 
is that, and I heard I was watching some apparently Don Johnson ad libbed that like that wasn't in the script he just did it well, that's some and, clever shit right there because and, that's he, and uh, as hell man and when he when they saw it happen he's like that's beautiful I'm not taking that out <laughs> it's so good yeah it's so but so uh I overall before we get into spoilers because there's large spoilers and I don't I don't want to go too far into it because it's just like it's a thing where you don't want to know who, who did it you don't want to no. but I do want to talk about with there are people who did watch it and want to know my decisions I thought the movie was beautifully paced beautifully shot mm-hmm. um and uh i thought that the house is its own character which was beautiful and i thought i just i just loved every second of it i was on the edge of my seat the whole movie and it was so much fun yeah and i didn't expect it to be as funny as it was and to be as twisty as it was right um but i i enjoyed every second of it so yeah yeah it gets a like again to to sum up before he and i chat about some spoiler stuff definitely recommend it i went i knew more i knew the premise of the of the story i didn't watch a single trailer but i knew the premise of it and i love whodunits i love like justin mentioned murder on the Orient express i love that stuff i used to read agatha christopher books i love all that kind of crap so like it, this this thing's definitely up my alley but even still i really do think this is an accessible movie like it, it's not gory it's not gross it's not crude it's not lewd there's there's really nothing nothing about it that I think that is is off is is terrible. There's a couple of little moments of violence, some some language here and there, and I think they smoke pot at one point. Ooh, big deal, right? You know, so like there's little bits and pieces like that, but it's it's a fairly accessible movie. I don't know how young you want to go with who you take to it because it is kind of complicated, especially if you're trying to track some of the plot that's going on behind what happens. But like it's a super accessible movie, and I think a lot of people can get, a, get can get into this. I think Ryan Johnson's a really good filmmaker and i know i know that he gets a lot of flack for the last jedi i think last jedi is better than people say it is well when i say people that's a stupid thing to say because there's a lot of people who say it's really good but he also did looper and looper was a really good movie that's the one with uh he does a great job of like of being the writer and director he has a vision and he puts it out there and and this is a self-contained contained story and vision i think last jedi it's tough to do that with because it's such part of such a bigger franchise. Yeah, there's, um, there's I, I don't hate issues. it, but it just yeah. wasn't my favorite. You know? No, it's but not my I, favorite either, but like, that. I mean, I don't want to like get into that too much, but I do think that there's, you. It, it's quality work, right? And I feel like everything I've seen from Ryan Johnson has been quality work. And he's one of those, he's one of those names that I feel like whenever something comes out, like it's immediately going to get my attention. Like there's, there's certain directors, there's certain writers that when I see them, when they, you know, when they pop up, like I'm, I'm definitely interested, you know? So, uh, Ryan Johnson's getting up there for me. Now, if you don't want to hear any spoilers, skip, you know, we're basically just, done. You're you going to ruin you can, it. You can yourself. end the episode. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, this is the last warning. Don't, don't, uh, yeah. don't hang beer, around. Beer, beer, beer. Spoiler alert. Uh, okay. So, so what do you got? I thought, no, Ryan Johnson subverts things that he does sometimes, right? That's what he did with Last Jedi. That's when he kind of turned the genre on his head in particular because he tells you what happens a third of the way through the movie. Right. He tells you exactly what happened. Yeah. And I thought that was absolutely freaking brilliant. Yeah. And now it changes from a whodunit to a how is she going to get out of this? Right. And it's, and you, and also because you, you are rooting for her the whole time because she is legitimately a good person and she and, is the good person and like as a and it's so wonderful like the weird the weird juxtapositions that are happening you're right you root for her 
because she is legitimately a good person and she is a legitimately a good person contrasted with this group of people who are not good people. They're very selfish. They're very self-centered. They, they couldn't care less about their father or their grandfather, whereas, whereas Marta loves him and is his closest friend. And again, you shouldn't be listening to this if, you know, because we're spoiling. And she, we're led to believe, killed him, Right. And like, it's so weird, like that juxtaposition of like, wait a second, she actually killed him. And like, that's, that's what we're led to believe throughout the vast majority of the, uh, of the movie, right? She kills him, but she's the good one. And yet we're rooting for her to get away with it. Like, it's so yeah, weird. Like, like what? It's, it's, yeah. Like it, she did it. You're led to believe she did it. And then you don't like when the dog comes up with the piece of the trellis, <laughs> you're like, no, 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 no. Like, it's, it's so good. Like these little things yeah. are great. And I, I thought like the, the turn too of like, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just as much as part of the family to when she gets the inheritance, they're immediately like, you're not a part of this family. You don't deserve this money. This isn't yours. And right. Like just that type of stuff is just so good. How they, And like everything's set up. Everything is set up in this movie and pays off. Every little thing yep. that happens from the beginning to the end is set up. Even when he says in the study, a real man knows the difference between a prop knife and a real knife. Yeah. Or a man knows his worth if he can tell the difference between a prop knife and a real knife. And that happens at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then the vomit stuff's great too. It's so good. Um, I just, there's so much about this. It's hard to like talk about how great it is because when they when they tell you what happens the third way through the movie, you're like, "Well, what the hell's going to happen now? I still right. got an hour left." Yeah, like, like meta so good. Meta speaking, I'm like, "Well, that can't have been what really happened then, right?" Like, I keep waiting for like the twist, right? Like, okay, that can't. be. But up until the last five minutes, that's what I mean, you know. Like, I'm like, "Holy crap, baby! Maybe this is what maybe this is what maybe this is what happened." So, like, I do. I, I mean, I do feel like there were moments of like cinematography where the camera really focuses in on like the two different bottles. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're not the same, not the right drug. Da 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 da. But now like, that you yeah, now that you know so this stuff too, I want to go watch it again and pick up all the little things, the little and, and see if maybe yeah. you can tell that that maybe one of the labels is off a little bit or yeah. something. Yeah, because I feel like they probably did that, but you don't know because you don't know until the last five minutes of the movie. And I really I like that. I really like uh, Daniel Craig, by the way, how he started as like this guy who was like suspicious of everybody, came to came to actually sort of rely on her as being like his, you know, his Watson, but he was just doing that kind of to keep her close because he was suspicious of her, but then genuinely actually came to care about what happened and befalls her because even though she admits to being the one who kills, uh, who kills Harlan, like he comes to her defense uh, when he like, you know, reads the, the specific, you know, the, uh, the, the coroner's the report, report, yeah, the tox report yeah. that exonerates her essentially. Like he, he, finally gets to be like, no, you are the good person. You, you know, which, and he's the one who kind of puts it all together. And so it was really nice seeing his arc. Like that was actually really cool. Even though he kind yeah, of, you kind of tell yeah. like, he's, he's like not, the referee. It's, he still yeah. was invested and he still had his really cool arc at the end that, that befriended her in such a way. So and he's also kind of checking, seeing if she's a piece of garbage or not. Right. And then like, and it becomes clear the, that she's like not. The fact that, right. Yeah. When she saves, uh, the, the housemate, the housekeeper Fran or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. And it's just, it's so good. And uh, now my wife brought up something. I wonder what you think about this. That she thinks, and I don't, I don't, and I don't know, and I'm th- I want to see the movie again to maybe think about it. She thinks that Harlan knew that he was not dying because, and he did kill himself, mm-hmm. because he set up the will a week before, right? She thinks that he was going to 
going to kill himself. Right. And when they're talking about what happens when you take a hundred milligrams of morphine, mm-hmm. he asks her what he feels like. And he would know as time goes by that he would not feel that way. And she thinks that he saw it as a way out mm-hmm. to teach them a lesson. So she thinks that he meant to kill himself. But here, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I 100% think that he was, he was, well, actually, I don't know if I want to say 100% he was trying to commit suicide. I think he was, he was ready to die. So let me put it that way. Now, the, the hole in that theory, right, is that his suicide was then going to, A, either incriminate his closest friend that he cares for, Marta, or B, be a weight on her conscience, and so that means well, we have to accept the fact that Harlan's willing to do that to his closest friend. So that would probably be the only, like the only pa- thing that would give me pause. Like I thought Harlan and her were close. Everything we saw of Harlan, he was generally a good person, and he and she was generally a good person, and they genuinely seemed to have a friendship. And so that would be sort of surprising that he would be willing to sort of risk her safety or risk just her conscience, like knowing that she is partly responsible for that. Um, but perhaps because he was getting ready to go and he saw this as an opportunity to leave. Like, I don't think necessarily he planned it like to, to die in the way he did. It's possible. Like, it's hard to say, like we're kind of trying to intuit that to some degree, but that would be my only, only defense uh, or my only objection to that theory. But it definitely crossed my mind. I love, I love how every little thing of the movie comes into place from the dogs barking to to every ounce of the movie makes sense. And that's why I kind of want to watch it again and yeah. kind of like see if things p- pick up a little bit better. So, Oh, for sure. I mean, these are the types I love of movies it. that you get that. Yeah. And, and this is a movie like immediately it has rewatchable value. Like oh, you 100%. immediately want to go see it again. 100%. And it's just like, I want to just go, like, let's, let's go back to the ticket booth, get another one, come back. Or I just, just like stay there, things. you know, so you don't have to pay for it again. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I if you're still listening to us, we love it. Hopefully if you've been listening, it means you've watched it too. And you also love it. If you don't love it, well then you're just awful, uh, as a person. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and that's it for us. Uh, so I agree. We're going to close down the episode. If you like what you're hearing, uh, if you want to catch, get in touch with us up online, uh, you can catch us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at lollygagger co. Justin's at buys Justin. Justin's been setting up his mixer streaming. So you might be able to check. Out I am ha- on mixer now. Yeah. Yeah, so me and my friend Ninja are over there. Oh, jeez, he's a good buddy. Um, so yeah, so ridiculous. Uh, so if you've got any ideas of like stuff that maybe Justin and I should start reading, start watching, start playing, we're all ears to that. We'll probably throw in a challenge or two every now and then. Uh, but uh, if you got ideas for things you'd like us to cover, uh, if you got any Kickstarters that you're looking at that you want me to take a look at, or if you got any comics that you're interested in reading, I know I got a comic I'm going to be talking about probably next week. I know Justin's getting ready to talk about a comic as well. So we're going to get back th- back into that too. It's all really exciting. Uh, and you can also catch us online, thelollygaggers.com, right? You can just have our website, a lot of stuff up there, including our other podcast, The Adventures in Lollygagging. Uh, and that's about it. So Justin, uh, so put yourself in the position of, of Harlan. Okay, you're a patriarch, right? Your brothers, I know both of them. Your uh, your nieces and nephews, your grand nieces and nephews, etc., etc. So, if you were in Harlan's position and you could kind of orchestrate this zany death, uh, like this weird mystery, uh, how would you how would you go about doing? Like, what what would be the the orchestrated? How would I die? How yeah, would I yeah, kill yeah. myself? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> that uh, 
that sledgehammers my balls up into my oh, abdomen. Jesus. And so then the trauma from the from the hit would eventually kill me. But it also destroys itself, right? So then you don't know what really happened. So everyone thinks that there's a moto afoot. So also, I forgot to mention, the movie also reminded me of the episode of The Office constantly. So yeah. There's been a murder. <laughs> All right. Well done.